0: I am Latoya
1: Benton. and David killed my son. He was murdered by the police on January the 9th, 2021. 20,
2: the He was murdered by DC Metropolitan Police in their custody. He died in their custody, and they claimed that they don't know what happened. They had They had no business arresting him. Mm-hmm. This is Life
1: After the Impact, a podcast for impacted families by impacted families that focuses on what happens after the media, the lawyers, and the activists are gone. Impacted families are left to face uh, the loss of a loved one that police respond to violence. We will focus on their continued fight for justice and how we can be involved.
3: Give me the one that just walks away. A bunch of police take another life today. Leave a loved one's torn that I left to say. Candles burning. All we do is pray again. Say her name. found in their jail cell hang funny. Most don't find it strange that this long history of human degradation still remains unchanged after 246 years of generational bondage wherein black women were not free to live, free to move, free to be princesses who go up to be queens like Mayanna Jones shot in the sleep. She was just a baby, say her name. Or wives who love their husbands or mothers who nurture and protect their children or sisters who build beautiful bonds that last forever or daughters who know their mothers and fathers' faces because they were stripped away from still bleeding limbs or strong brown hands that wipe tears away from the felt they faces of mothers who had to endure the painful frustration of helplessly watching their children Sold up to these far away plantations because to be black in America could mean nothing greater than a destiny of enslavement or even death.
1: Just take one shot in the lower right hand, and the other six hit him in the chest and the body.
3: It's a brutal history that refuses to be made to rest like or be a boy, say her name. See, the remnants of racism remain unchanged. Yet, whoever stops to feel what it must have been felt so for young children to grow up never knowing their birthright or biological kinships when love and familial bonds are so tight and interwoven, whoever stops to think about how we've been conditioned to objectify our struggle and get the frozen in this fictitious epic of time that minimizes the sublime, beautiful black bodies that were stolen from a continent that was once golden and shrined, golden. Diamond encrusted born from the womb of Mother Africa, Alexia Christian, say her name. Funny how we're the only ones being trained to forget, as if the consequences of our history and struggle cease to exist when we think our lips to dismiss the attraction that it was and still is as we run to social media, use our social consciousness by simply hashtagging the top. vain, funny, most don't find it's strange that the history of disregard for Black queens remains unchanged after 346 years of fighting for inclusion under the precepts of this nation's constitution. Our freedom and equality are still an illusion. Got us standing on the front line screaming, Black lives matter because Black life in America is still not recognized as being fully human, but she was fully human. And her life, cause, and death matter. Kenesha Henderson, say her name, first of all. If the black man was only considered free, since the human, what must the black woman be? I most mean, find it strange that after 397 years of struggle, we are and silenced and as we try in vain to scream death. The sound. we've Scott and Mary Turner ending in 2016. Hashtag Joyce for now, that's the only way to hashtag her
0: Say her name. The
3: purpose behind the piece, Say Her Name, is to first and foremost pay homage to the sisters and the queens who have lost their lives to what I consider and what I've classified as neo-lynching in America. Say Her Name, specifically the numbers of African-American women who have been taken into custody by law enforcement and then um, come out um, under what most would consider suspicious circumstances, um, wherein their deaths are generally ruled suicides. Black women were not free to live, free to move, free to be. So I wanted to make sure that one, we contextualize their names and not just make their names without a hashtag. So when I speak about um, no hashtag, a lot of times when we're engaged in movement, we we take the names of the victims, we take the names of the fallen, and we put a hashtag in front of them, and then it kind of minimizes or negates their death their lives and their struggle. And so I really wanted to do the piece to pay homage to the sisters who have lost their lives contemporarily and also the the ancestors who lost their lives and never had a voice.
0: Good evening,
2: everyone. My name is Roxanne Johnson. Uh, My son was Jamal Bird. He was killed by D.C. Metropolitan Police, October the 1st, 2019. I have with me my co-host.
0: Good evening,
4: you guys. And um, I hope you all can hear on my end a little bit, the audio is a little bit choppy, but we will be sure to put that beautiful poem um, in the link as well. So you guys can go back and hear that as well. My name is Latoya Benton. I am the mother of Xavier Hill. Xavier was killed by Virginia State Police on January the 9th at the age of 18. Tonight we have a wonderful,
2: wonderful, wonderful special guest. Roxanne, you want to go ahead and go the... Yes, Yes. absolutely do. I'm so excited. Our first special guest is Dr. Zoe Spencer, who is a professor at Virginia State University and also an Emmy Award winning writer, incredible public speaker, advisor, strategist, master facilitator and the ceo of diverse relations group llc drg welcome dr zo welcome 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 thank you all so much thank you for for having me today i'm humble i'm humble excited We, we want to get right into this conversation we're so excited. We want to um, uh, talk a little bit about, you know, in that in that piece that you did, uh, say their say their name, say her name. You were talking about neo lynching and um, and its relationship to police brutality.
5: So first, before I even begin, I have to pay homage to the two of you, um, and pay homage to your sons, Jamal Bird. I say his name. Your son, Xavier Hill, I say his name as well. And um, I celebrate you both for being brave in the midst of your loss. Um, So I'm really humbled um, to be here. Um, The piece that I did um, really even though I focused on, say, her name, because, you know, one of the things that that I focus on in my work is that oftentimes when we lose our sons, women, Black women in particular, at, are at the forefront of struggle. And during that time, um, there were two lives lost women, um, Sandra Bland, of course, and um, Corinne Gaines, someone that... Um, you know, people hadn't really, really um, heard of, and so even though the piece pays homage to the fallen sisters, um, you know, I want to invoke and and you know remind everyone that it is not exclusive of our brothers who lose their lives to what I call state-sponsored violence um, more regularly um, than our sisters, um, and so neo lynching for me and 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 what what I tried to do with the piece was to correlate the history of lynching with contemporary state-sponsored violence, right? Um, and not to go into this big, long history lesson or what have you, but um, one of the lines in 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 the piece is Black life in America is still not recognized as being fully human, but they are fully human. Um, and so, when you think about the history, and I think a lot of times even, you know, into your audience, to your listeners, I think activists sometimes when we are rallying around the losses that you all as mothers experience, we don't contextualize it often in history. We don't ground it in history. And so as we rally, we don't understand the Legal ramifications, the historical ramifications of the loss. And I think that that's really important. So let me just define neo lynching. Um, Neo lynching is the manner in which Black life is taken without regard to Black people's fundamental constitutional rights and protection specifically under the 14th amendment that give black people the right to life, liberty, and property that no state shall abridge a citizen's right to life, liberty, and property without due process. Right. And that's really, really important. Um, it's not until the 13th and 14th amendments um, are um instituted or implemented into the Constitution that we have those protections, because before then, Black bodies were considered property of the slave owner, property of the state, and as the, I would say, the dishonorable Judge Tanney said, oh, you know, while back in, in the Dred Scott decision, that Black people did not have rights through which or of which white people were bound to respect, and so um, you know, lynching was commonplace. Um, the denial, automatic denial of black people um, both in during the institution of enslavement and after enslavement during the whole Jim Crow um, system, black people didn't have the right to control their own lives and bodies and any ordinary citizen, white citizen could take a black person's life with impunity. So neo lynching, is the way that I correlate state sponsored violence today and the way that black bodies are treated by state actors and state agents today with the historic phenomenon of lynching by the lynch mob, um, by the overseers, by the plantation owners. Um, And so that is really what the piece is about. Contextualize and providing that history and that historic context to understanding the way that Black life is so disregarded in today's society.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. And you know, we know that um, Black people are more likely to be to be victims of police violence than any other group of people, right? We know that you know we want to talk about just a little bit more because I love history. I think history teaches us about the present time. Absolutely, the police, the police were were uh, put into place for the very uh, fact of keeping uh, control violently by violence over black bodies, as you Absolutely. as you uh, uh, indicated. So, w- with that being said, because we're we're you know we're um, this uh, podcast we're about we're about action right so we know that this is happening this 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 uh these systems that are put in place to to uh to degradate us to harm us to kill us what um things can we do as just you know ordinary citizens we not lawyers we not you know what can we do to bring number one bring more attention to this and then number two put some legislation in place
4: I think the key word too is like how do you want to like educate people to yeah. understand you know like um when you talk to us about Neil Lincoln, how do you correlate that with today's society how do you make people understand that like what's going on right now granted they're not they're not openly from trees and whatnot but police brutality and how they're killing us it's the same thing I think we need to understand it's like the same thing granted they're not don't have hoses out but they are killing us at the same rate. Can you kind of explain that to them or to the audience as me as well just how that kind of like goes hand in hand?
0: So
5: to um, Roxanne, I want to take your question first and then I wanna um, I want to flow over to um, to to Toya's question honestly and I'm gonna be brutally honest because I can um Mm -hmm. the root of state-sponsored violence be it through the slave patrol in the 16-1700s be it through the lynch mob in the 17-1800s be it through law enforcement is grounded in the history of racism and white supremacy in this country and the disregard for Black life, there were a a whole host of stereotypes that went along with the enslavement of African people. And one of the most predominant stereotypes um, and fallacies about Black people, Black men in particular, is that just by nature and just by biology, Black men are a threat Um, Mm. are aggressive, are violent, um, and later are criminal. And unfortunately, even after the Emancipation Proclamation was signed and the 13th Amendment was introduced to the U.S. Constitution, We have never had a reconciling in this country, like with other atrocities and other forms of genocide, people have been afforded the opportunity to have the government and the nations or states that they exist in. And when I say state, I don't mean like the state of Virginia, I'm talking about the nation to go back and apologize and reconcile all of the fallacies that were designed to justify the oppression of a people. Black people haven't experienced that yet. The books, the narratives, the media still portray Black people and people of African descent in that same stereotypical and fallacious way. So the same stereotypes that were used to justify our enslavement are the same stereotypes that people are using to judge us and characterize us now. And it's dangerous. Um, I wrote another poem. Um, it's crazy that you know. I I think I'll dedicate it to you guys. I haven't. I spit it once. Um, Go ahead and go and get on the bars. Got yeah, bars. no, I I'm, I'm not gonna do it now. I'm I'm gonna do it though. It's it's too deep. It's 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 deep. But I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna dedicate it to you guys in this moment. The universe just said it. But so to answer your question, Roxanne, I don't. So in my work that I do right now, because I don't believe that it is our responsibility to fix it. And I honestly do not believe that the victims of oppression and the victims of police brutality and the victims or the recipients of racism have the power to change the narrative. We don't. The work has to come from. The people who have the privilege of being able to define us and the people who are in power and who have the ability to not just define, but to control and dominate, they have to do the work on themselves to change the way that they think about Black life and who Black people are. Because otherwise, a Black man's hand is always going to be a gun. And a Black man's body is always going to be a weapon. Um, And so I think that the responsibility and in the work that I do, which requires me to come out of my comfort zone, the responsibility is to create spaces for white people um, and society in general to challenge the stereotypical beliefs that they've been conditioned to hold and to also hold the state accountable for challenging the way that the codes and laws that justify the violation of our sons and daughters are are addressed. For us, what we have to do is we have to understand our rights and we have to understand the trap. and, and, you know, while I would like to say, you know, you, you know, when, when you, when you get pulled over, you have to blah, 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 and you got to do this, that, and the third, and all of the things that we condition, it just should be that Black people, as the 14th Amendment states, that Black people should have the automatic right to life, right to property, mm-hmm. and the right to due process, right? Um and and you know, until that happens, the battle continues and and we have to educate ourselves, know our rights, um, teach our rights to our children. Where we have the opportunity to have conversations and challenge stereotypes about who we are, we need to be willing to do that, even if it requires coming out of our comfort zones. Because the only way that things are truly going to change is if the system changes. And you know, sometimes I believe the system, you know, wants to change. And sometimes I believe that the system is operating in in the way that it it is intended to operate. And you know, that's just my um, my thoughts. Um, Ms. Toya, you asked me an, another question about, um, speaking to the contemporary. Can you repeat your question? Um,
4: more so how do you, how do you relate the, you know, you say Neil Lynch and people think about Lynch and they all go think about, you know, the whole people hanging up in the trees or whatnot. Can you, um, just relate it to today and how that relates to the day and how they have taken that even when from the Kicking Hay Act? how that goes from then and how it relates to nowadays.
5: Yeah, it evolves over time. And 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 Ms. Roxanne, you said it. So you go from introducing Africans to this country under the institution of enslavement and then having a slave patrol to control Black people's resistance and ensure that Black people didn't rebel and resist against the system that you know, that and that built this economy, that built the agricultural economy. That's just period. That's history 101. Um, you needed slave labor in order to build the agricultural development that this country is, is founded on. After the 13th Amendment and the Emancipation Proclamation, you go from the slave patrol and then you go into convict leasing system and black codes. And now you have both the state because it transitions, you have the the slave patrol turn into law enforcement. So now where you create a law that says that black people can't loiter or their vagrancy, or you have to have an ID or no two black people can congregate at the same time, then you have ordinary white people who now have the ability to enforce those black codes on black people. So now you go into law enforcement and then when there is um, resistance you have the lynch mob and then from the lynch mob it evolves again into law enforcement and so a lot in a lot of places the culture of pol- patrolling and policing black bodies as it has evolved slave patrol, Lynch mob, law mm-hmm. enforcement, mm-hmm. policing—like mm-hmm. you have these systems. So you know, regardless what people say, law enforcement—you know—people like law enforcement is is to protect and serve. No, law enforcement is to enforce the law, and where the law, um, you know, disaggregates or removes black people or singles out. Black people, um, you know, and, and the actions of Black people or Black communities as a crime, it is law enforcement's duty to enforce the law. The problem is all of those historic stereotypes and that culture of racism mm-hmm. and the culture of white supremacy cont- builds the culture of modern day policing. And That's for true. those people who do not have good contact and good cultural competence who become police in their roles, they're still holding the bias that doesn't allow them to value the lives of black people in the same ways that they would value black men in particular in the same ways that they would value the lives of other races and and women so you know you have police departments that are firmly rooted in that history and in that culture and it hasn't been disrupted or challenged or dismantled yet and so Black men and Black boys in particular don't get a chance to be men and boys before they are considered criminals and thugs and threats to other people's being.
0: Amazing. Amazing. And
2: so how do we educate ourselves? You say we need to know how to... to, mitigate this I'll say mitigate this madness how about that (laughs) how to mitigate this madness and how to educate ourselves so that we know what our rights are and know um to avoid because I heard you say traps the tricks and traps of this system that has been set up against us from the very beginning
5: so I wrote an article um and the article is actually called post there's a whole um beginning and I wrote it it's it's actually um um I forgot the um Sassy Miles Unfettered Spirit it's crazy I can't remember the title of my own work um (laughs) that I co-authored with somebody but the colon part is post-traumatic slave master
0: syndrome
5: Mm. um and the piece really analyzes what state actors go through when they experience black resistance. Um, that, you know, racism, police brutality are not perpetratorless crimes, that there's someone who acts to cause the victimization and or oppression of others. And I wanted to really look at what that looks like. Um, and so it's several fold, One, I believe that everybody should know the constitution. Mm -hmm. One, two, four, five, six, 13, 14, and 19. But specifically, my favorite is the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. That everybody should know and understand the 14th Amendment. Everybody should understand um, the color of law in section 1983. Everybody should know and understand that. Um, You should study it. Um, and 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 the sad thing about it is that those are after the after the fact things, right? You know, to be proactive is so important. And to be honest, family, I don't have an answer for how to be proactive because it's not up for the oppressed people to learn how to navigate an oppressive system because until the people who have the power to control whether somebody lives or dies, changes their perceptions about who people are, we're gonna continue to have this situation. Um, So I, 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 I wanna have, you know, I'm sitting here with you both and it almost makes me wanna cry because I understand, you know, this is deeper, you know, then a and then a podcast, right? Um, and I wish I had the answer on how to make sure that it doesn't happen again. And I fight every day in my work to work with law enforcement, um, to work with white men, um, to work with white men, women, to challenge their perceptions and help to raise their consciousness so that they can go and do the work in their communities to build and change perspectives. Because I am firmly of the belief that it is not up to us and to change anyone. People have to feel comfortable understanding the need and the value of changing their misperceptions and their beliefs that their lives or their privileges is and must be based on somebody else's oppression. Um, so to answer the question says, I think that we need to know our constitution, the constitutional protections, um, that we are entitled to until somebody says that we're no longer protected. Um, and then we have to be able to move in spaces of threat in a way that tempers our desire for righteousness and right. And 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 liberation with the undertone of people's racialized perceptions of who we are, and that's like doing heart surgery.
4: Mm-hmm. I, I think part of what you're saying too is educating is educating ourselves. A lot of people we're really uneducated about. Um, we think we know, you know, we think we can see the headlines, or whatnot. But you just mentioned a whole bunch of amendments. I'm like, ooh, one, da da da, right. But I know 14th is really important for us all to remember. And too, like you said, we need to educate ourselves and not only educate ourselves, but beginning to have important conversations amongst our white friends, you know, to make them uncomfortable to understand what's going on. We can't change. It's not our job to change how they're thinking. They have to change their own thinking. It's a mindset, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And I, and I kind of look thinking about it like um, as you were speaking, it's kind of like being in a, a domestic violence situation, right? right. And you want your boyfriend to stop beating you upside the head. Uh, so there's laws that's supposed to protect you, but uh, we can't uh, change the behavior of the people who right. continue right. to oppress and use violence. And you know, say, "Oh, we need the police in it." Because I'm I'm definitely an abolitionist when it comes to the police. I what I'm we sure. need? To why they need? They to come it. after the fact. Yeah. <laughs> Why do we need them? So anyway. Uh, and,
5: and and as far as legislation is concerned too, um, you know, a lot of times law enforcement, first they need to be trained. Let me go back. Law enforcement agents need to be trained. They need to have in-depth training on cultural actualization and not cultural competence. They need to go through thorough training where their implicit biases and their perceptions about race, gender, class are Challenge so that they understand and that they enter the space honoring and valuing the humanity and citizenship of everybody that they are supposed to be patrolling or enforcing the law, the communities that they're supposed to be enforcing the law in. That's number one. Every law enforcement um, space I'm arguing in the country needs to undergo some very, very intense cultural actualization training where they're really being challenged because they do have the power to determine, you know, who lives and who dies just by carrying a gun or having the ability to invoke deadly force on someone. So one, we need to, Have concrete cultural training for all law enforcement that needs to be a requirement. The second thing to that, too, though, is that we have to while we do have law enforcement, we have to encourage our legislators to Divert money into mental health, substance abuse, um, alternatives, all of these other programs that they took away from the people so that law enforcement as a reactionary tool don't have to be called into spaces that they are ill-equipped. To deal with law enforcement should not be dealing with people who are undergoing mental health crises, they're not mental health workers, you can talk about the word de escalation all day long but in order to know how to de escalate a situation you have to have intricate knowledge of the situation and the condition that the situation presents. Like when somebody's in a crisis, you're just not supposed to touch them. Like, they, you know, they're in a sensory. Don't put your hands on them. Don't try to gain control of them in the moment because they're not where, you know, where you are and they're not receiving what you're saying. And so I think too that it is on, you know, our state, local and federal governments to allocate the resources to help people who are in crisis so that people don't have to call 911 and Mm -hmm. have the police have to come and respond to a situation that they're ill-equipped to deal with. So between training, intensive training, and legislation, a redistribution of resources um, back into our communities to help to buffer the issues and crises that people, disadvantaged and marginalized people face, we need to be able to do that too. Because, you know, oftentimes law enforcement, you know, they're the last I'm calling 911, you know, and they're not equipped to deal with the 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 reason why they're there.
2: So that those are my recommendations also. Ashe uh, and amen to that. Well, we want to get on QI right now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in addition, I think they need to be periodically reinvestigated and have psychological uh, uh, exams on a regular basis. Absolutely. And and my my um I, I also think that when there's a uh, police involved um shooting any kind of brutality, we need to see what's in their bloodstream at that time.
5: I agree. I mean we just came up with a whole slew of things and after a traumatic event either on the job or in their family they need to go through whatever debriefing and counseling you know that they need to go through in order to resolve it because they have to when you have a gun and you're out on the street and you're on constant stress all the time you need to have a way to de-escalate that within yourself before you go back outside and, and have that stuff built up building up in you and you 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 know what i'm saying and so i think so we just have a whole slew of things that we just named that we
2: they need to think about and for those of you in the audience who are saying you know these women are talking like pie in the sky rainbows and lollipops no this can be done um as a matter of fact uh camden new jersey you know a little bit north of here has reimagined the whole policing thing where it's more community-based instead of against the community, they work with the community and they have a lot fewer issues. I'm not saying that they're perfect by any means, but they're not uh as violent as some it can of them. be done. It can be absolutely. done absolutely. We're not talking Good imaginary way. things. And so we have I, I think we got some um action items out of this. I evening. do
5: too. I definitely do yeah, too. And,
2: and just to mention the um piece that you put together our producer because she is wonderful. She put the the uh article comments this is sassy mouths unfettered spirits and the neo-lynching of Corinne Gaines and Sandra bland conceptualizing post-traumatic slave master syndrome and the familiar policing of black women's resistance in 21st century America so you all can go look that up and also um you know just get to read some of uh Dr Zoe's writing in that in that uh in that way yeah
4: thank Dr. Dyer, you I want to thank you. <laughs>
2: Oh my gosh, we can keep talking, we can keep going.
4: Yeah. I know, look, I, look, we didn't even, um, so I mean, I think we can bring you back on, You know, later, um, another time you're free. So I wanna touch base on, too, about qualified immunity and just how that affects, um, you know, how that affects, and that's a long conversation, you know, but I think we need to understand that it's not just a, um, a civil thing. They have to understand, once again, it's a deep-rooted thing into the system itself, but it takes someone to be able to break it down land in land terms, right? So we can all understand that. So I just thank you, thank you, thank you for being here tonight. Thank
5: you. I want to thank you all both, one, for having me. And I want to thank you guys for continuing this work. Keep, a, keep it up, keep it up.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And so um, so um, to our podcast audience, get your constitution. You can Google it. You can do yep. the constitution, read it get to know it and get to know the laws that pertain to who you are your rights as a citizen of these united states of america because that's important too
4: and i will say this to uh, a great doctor her name's doctors uh, recommended me the watch this movie called A Men. Mm-hmm. i'm not sure if it's still on netflix or not but um it puts um just things towards the 13th amendment and 14th amendment more like in a it's it's it's, it's an easy watch. It's about six hours, but when I say it gives you, it gives you what you need to begin to learn or whatnot. So, watching men on Netflix, you guys got it. So, please watch men
0: on Netflix because well. It's
2: really good. Oh, and one more thing: vote, vote. If a dog catcher is running, vote for him. <laughs> Whatever it is, vote for him. Your county council, your state state representatives. All the all the voting that you can't go. If you're not a registered to vote, get registered to vote. Because the only way we change some of these laws is to have people in there who are like-minded. That means that right. people understand the way we understand. But
4: like I said, is vote and hold them accountable.
2: And, oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Once they get in there, let them see your face so that they That's know right. they're watching. They, That's they, right. They, <laughs> they said them settle it's like this. Yeah. And when they all right, ask, guys, you know, you all our purposes, we let them know. We go talk to them and say, we're the ones that got you in here. And yeah. So hold yeah, them hold them accountable. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Anything else we want to, we're going to, we're going to end it here. I, I could keep talking. We could keep talking. This is a wonderful topic this evening. We are so pleased yes. to have you again. And um, until next time, we're going to say good night.
4: Good night, you guys. I am Latoya Benton. Xavier killed my son. He was murdered by
1: the police on January the 9th, 2021. He was murdered by DC Metropolitan, the police in their custody. He died in their custody. And they claim that they don't know what happened. I'm so proud. He's just arresting him. Mm-hmm. This is Life After the Impact, a podcast for impacted families, by impacted families, that focuses on what happens after the media, the lawyers, and the activists are gone. Impacted families are left to face uh, the loss of a loved one that police respond to violence. We will focus on their continued fight for justice and how you can get involved.
3: Give me the one that just walks away. bunch of police take another life today. Leave a loved one torn. Left to say, candles burning, and all we do is pray. Yeah.